Hi, and welcome to the Meetings and Events podcast. I'm your host, Joelle Morgan. Today, I'm speaking with Michael Dominguez, CEO and President of Associated Luxury Hotels International. Michael and I had one of the best conversations that I've had in a long time about many subjects that were broad and far reaching. We talked about the importance of our industry in creating social change and growth. We talked about the primary reason we have events at all being connection with each other and what that does for human behavior and for growth in the world and in our companies and lives. We had some great laughs about our most challenging moments in our careers. And we also deep dived into some areas that we all personally can get involved in, in creating change both in our industry and abroad. I think one of my takeaways was really understanding that our industry as the events and meetings industry really does have the capacity to create incredible social good and that we have tools and powerful mechanisms at our hands to really start to see those changes affected that can change lives both young and old and far reaching into the future as well. I hope that you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Welcome, Michael. Oh, thank you. I am. I couldn't be more excited either. I th I think there is just going to be a lot of energy, yes. and uh, I'm excited about the conversation. But thank you for the invite. Oh, I'm so pleased you said yes. Um, I remember the first time I I met you, which was earlier this year at an event you were hosting and Alhai was hosting, and just the energy that comes from you is tangible and palpable. And you can you have you're one of those people that has the ability to change the atmosphere in every room that you walk into. <laughs> and I just so appreciate that about you and just want to like call that out and say it's one of the biggest gifts that I think some people can have, which is to bring energy to a situation and then start uh, being able to unpack what vision looks like and what the future looks like. Sure, thank you. I mean, I, I you know, I, I've always, I've always had this mentality and I, I blame my mother in a good way. Uh, because I am my mother and she drove this into me. But since I was a kid, she'll tell you, um, I've always been referenced by people around my positivity and my energy. And there's this really funny story. My kids played club soccer and we were together for a long period of time and we had moved. And then we came back to this community two years later. My daughter's on a new team. My wife said practice. I show up to practice because I'm coming from work. They're already going. I want to go say hello to the girls. Well, my wife's there. I'm talking. She's talking to some lady that we had just met. And I say hello, introduce myself, and then I go. And then my wife comes back later, and she goes, the lady said, God, he has so much energy. And she goes, he said hello. <laughs> How did you get I that, that out of it? That's so, fantastic. So I do mean it even in my personal life. People say that. And, and you know what I really do think it is? Um, I, I think when you talk about energy, it's intentional focus on people and the individual and that I'm excited about the moment. And I always like to say life is grace. And I try to celebrate that every moment. And I do think it is a privilege for us to be alive and yes. to be able to do the things we get to do. So I come in with a real positive attitude. That's I, why the energy is there. I think yeah. that's fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I know that you've been in our industry for a long time. 
And I'm kind of curious to kind of have that unpacked today on our show. Just um, in terms of an overview of your background, I know you started, you've got a background in, in operations. You've worked for some of the most major hotel uh, lines around mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. And been in this industry a long, long time, really looking at, at currently you sit on several boards and mm -hmm. give advice and, and give leadership, but you started at 16 busing tables. <laughs> so, so tell us about that trajectory. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to keep the, uh, trying to keep the story legal. I actually started at 15 <laughs> busing oh. tables. Um, I wasn't supposed to be working yet, uh, but I did. And, you know, literally I, I started, um, I, I'm one of those in this industry that I got here by accident. I literally was working while I was going to school, I worked part-time busing tables, as you said, the Hyatt in San Antonio on the Riverwalk and the original Hyatt that was there. Um, as I advanced and got through high school, I literally started waiting tables, which I only did for about six months. Then I was supervising a restaurant and then had my first management job uh, literally within a year of graduating from high school. So I was a 20-year-old kid, uh, you know, running a restaurant. And I was in food and beverage for nine years of my career. I started in F&B. Um, I, I always thought I was going to run a hotel. I'm going to be a GM. That was my goal. I didn't even, I couldn't even envision the career I have today, the no. path I had today. I really thought, I, I, I thought the epitome of all of it was being a GM okay. at a hotel. I mean, yeah. And that was my career growth at 19, 20 years old. And as I was going to school and then Hyatt started to move me, um, I, I tell this story, Joel, I, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, um, that there, I, I always put things together on reference points on how things happen. And I always say there's events and there's people and there's decisions in our lives that completely change our scale and scope of where we're headed. And um, when you become 18, 19 years old, every decision, every event, those people will or could change the trajectory of your life. And I reflect often. So I'll tell you, here's the decision had, when I was uh, graduating high school, I had a full paid scholarship to go to Texas A&M. It was the President's Achievement Award. Um, I went and did my weekend, I hated it. I didn't wanna go to A&M, I always wanted to go to UT. Um, I told my mother, I'm not gonna accept the scholarship, I'm gonna stay home. I'm gonna go to UT San Antonio until I can afford to go to UT Austin and then I'll go to Austin. I wouldn't be talking to you today had I gone to A&M because the reason I'm in the hotel industry is I, is because I continued to work while I went to UT San Antonio in a hotel and all of a sudden started to realize there's a career here. Wow. And that one decision changed the scope of my life. Now, you want to talk about it personally? I sure. met my wife at the Hyatt San Antonio while she's working at the front desk. So my we just hit our 33, 33rd anniversary my life looks completely different had, had I gone to A&M yeah. personally. doesn't yeah. mean I wouldn't be married. doesn't mean I wouldn't have kids, but when it blows my mind is my kids wouldn't be my kids. Yeah, absolutely. They, they would be different. And those, it's almost like those movies with the metaverse and the That's parallel, right. parallel. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's crazy. So then the reason I was telling you this, the, the event that impacted my career and I really wouldn't be here talking to you today if it wasn't for the 1989 earthquake in san francisco okay and the san francisco earthquake that was during the world series you know we're watching it on tv it collapsed highways it was devastating there was a hyatt burling game in santa in in um in san francisco that basically they had to shut down for a year to rebuild as they because of the damage from the earthquake 
the team that was there included my food and beverage director who started my career that had been there only for two weeks. They moved that entire, that entire crew to Palm Springs to open up the Hyatt Suites in Palm Springs. It was their first all-suite property. I get a phone call in Austin saying, I need you to come run a restaurant in Palm Springs. I go. And the interesting part is I meet Brad Poncher, who used to be part of Hyatt's Worldwide Sales, and he's the GM there. He's the one that moved me into sales. He's the one that put me on a different path. I never meet Brad if it's not for that earthquake. Wow. And I do reflect on that because that one event changed the course of my life with me saying yes, by the way. Yes. You you always have some input. And, And we used to joke. When you worked for Hyatt, uh, Hyatt actually stood for have your ass there tomorrow. So um, when I got the phone call, I was gone. And uh, it's before the internet, by the way. So when they said, do you want to come to Palm Springs? I said, yes. I hung up and had to pull out an atlas. And then I, I actually said, oh, um, there's actually two. Am I going to Florida or California? Oh, so I don't know. I had no <laughs> idea where I was headed. So, but I, I think about that and that's how I end up here. And, and I, I always think it's important for people to reflect on the journey. Yes. We, we, we sometimes look at the destination and we, we tend to forget, how did I get here? Yeah. And what decisions put me here? Uh, and that's, that's something I reflect on often, probably too much. Uh, but, but I try to figure it out because I think the more you're in tune with that, Joel, the more you make better decisions. Yeah. Because you start yes. to really understand the gravity of what you're going to do. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think the combination of, of everything that you're saying um, the, the balance points between being passionate and having a yes yeah. has such um, capacity for momentum and propelling you into, into things that you would never have expected before. Is, is, is that something you'd probably agree with if you could kind of boil it down into like a couple oh, of sentences? W- without a doubt. Look, I, I move and I move fast and I say yes to everything. Yeah. And, you know, my wife reminds me of that often. It's like, you know, you can say no every now and then. And I'm like, mm, I really can't. Um, I, I have one belief. You know what drives me is I, I have a very short amount of time to make the biggest impact I possibly can. And, and that impact isn't about me. It's how do I make my industry better? How do I make people better? How do I help them in their careers and in their lives? Um, we're, we're on this earth for a very short period of time. It yeah. seems much longer than it is. And um, I actually had a talk with one of my executives today. And I said, I was reading a book somewhere. And if you took the history of the universe, our entire lives represent one day. Oh my gosh. Yes. And yet, and yet what we think is such travesty and what we think is earth shattering, you know, in the perspective of the broader picture, if anything can humble you, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> Your life represents one day. Yeah. So how do I make that one day the best day you can possibly That's make? Great. That's kind of how I live my life. Yeah, I love that. So in terms of perspective, let's apply perspective to our industry. You know, you've been in this industry a long time. I've been in it for 22 years as well. And um, I'm curious to kind of hear your thoughts around what the industry is looking like at the moment. Like at this point in time, in that brief second of our one day, on, on the grand scheme of things. You're going to remember it. You know I you will. are. You're going I'm to remember that. it. <laughs> this second right now, what does yeah. it feel like in, in our broader industry with the breadth of years that you've seen yeah. and where you're kind of seeing it going? What does this moment look like currently? And what are you kind of noticing? Um, you know, what's funny is I, I sometimes, and I know this is going to sound interesting. I, I sometimes think we overthink things. Um, I, I do think there, as we're coming out of this, there's tremendous opportunity. We're seeing tremendous demand. 
Um, what we're seeing is human behavior return to normal very quickly following a pandemic when if you rewind to mid 2020, people are never going to gather again. We're never going to travel again. Uh, the stupidest thing that ever came out was a fist bump um, <laughs> for a handshake. We're never going to shake hands again. And, you know, and as soon as we were allowed to and we knew the water was safer, we're starting to behave like the human beings we've always been. And I, I, I sometimes think, Joel, we, we so focus um, we so focus on what we think are changes. And I always say, if behavior isn't dramatically changing, then don't overthink it. Okay. It doesn't mean the mechanics aren't changing in some regard, but you know what the behavior is? And, and I say this often, we spent two years trying to figure out how to meet. We, we, na- we now need to get back to why are we meeting? Right. Let's focus on engagement. Let's focus on education. Let's focus on being inspiring. What does that look and feel like? And, and that's not a criticism. It's just our focus was trying to meet yes. the protocols and yes. what we're going to be the protocols and how do I make this happen? Now we're getting back to why are we meeting? And it's always about human and human engagement and human connection. And that is what I think hasn't changed that much. And um, I, I, I'm doing a presentation for a large corporation mm-hmm. and they they liked because it was about communication and marketing and such and, and the changes there. And the one thing I've mentioned is I'm a big believer that if there's any shift in, and this has been going on for about a decade, demographics do not matter yet. We keep talking about demographics. I believe psychographic matters. I believe the behavior, not the age is important. If I like technology, that doesn't put me into an age category. It puts me into an interest category. Yes. If I like streaming video, that doesn't put me into an age category. It puts me into a, you know, a behavior category. And if you focus on the behaviors, you'll cover all age groups. I think we spent a decade so worried about a millennial generation. And, and I have three of them. You know, it's, it's not that there's anything wrong with the millennials. It's just we thought they were going to be so different. Well, they're coming in to say that they're a technology generation is like saying the boomers were the reason we have color televisions. No, no color televisions came out when they were in the middle of their life. Technology is coming out while the millennials are in their lives. But that doesn't mean they're the change of it. They're just a large audience that's getting to embrace it. But all society has embraced it. Um, and, and that is where I think we overthink it. And, and I think we're overthinking it sometimes as an industry. There's an overcorrection right now in our industry that we have too many groups that are saying we're doing nothing virtual. Okay. They're, they're so tired of virtual over the last two years. It's like they, there's this we've all heard about it. It's the virtual fatigue. Like, no, I'm not doing it. I think that's an overcorrection. And, and, and I don't mean that as a negative. I, I understand it. But I do think at some point we're going to settle somewhere in the middle where we understand there's a place for it and we need face-to-face and we need a little bit of some type of omni-channel approach to all of this. What that looks and feels like, I think it's going to take some time. And um, I have a presentation in the industry I've actually titled uh, right now as it's an important time to be decisively indecisive. Okay. Um, I like that. And I mean it, it's like quit making definitives about what we think has changed forever because it took us two years to get here. It's going to take us more than six months to figure out what it all means. Yeah. And I think the dust needs to settle a little bit before we quite understand, because you're seeing it in the markets, you know, the, the retail, the retail organizations that were killing it during the pandemic are now having to reset because the behaviors are changing as society has opened up. 
And that's what you're seeing in all the markets. You know, what was really high during the pandemic is now coming back to a little bit of reality. And what was really low during the pandemic is now coming up to a reality. It's this whole reset. Well, I don't know what that all looks like until the dust settles. Yeah. And, and I think we got to give it some time to let the dust settle when, when to really understand what are going to be the permanent changes. But what I'm excited about most, people want to get together face to face. All we are dealing with right now are addendums because everybody's showing up. That's fantastic. That is a really good sign across the board. Great sign. No, you're speaking um, our language, certainly our whole philosophy with behind what we do is all geared towards our, our top mission, mm-hmm. which is connecting companies with their people, creating yep. connections and being able to create a, like a multi-dimensional experience for people where they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel inspired, they feel educated and equipped to move into their uh, respective futures and knowing that there is a vision in place and positivity available to them. I think is something that we're certainly noticing from our perspective, which is very much um, along what you're saying, regardless of the demographics, moving towards a future or solutions or ideas or inspirational ways of doing things really has to be centered around uh, human behavior and consumer behavior and what makes people move and, and how can we understand the dynamics behind what makes people move towards something or away from something and then how do we craft an experience that brings them to the table where they can engage with that holistically in a way that provides growth and change yeah i I agree and you you know i the one thing i i've always mentioned is that you know the reason we're engaging with others and and this is another thing i've talked about you know forever we used to always talk about context uh, content is king we've heard that forever. I don't believe content is king today. I believe context is. I like that. I, I, I don't need a meeting. I don't need your meeting. I don't need my meeting to tell me something that I can Google or YouTube to learn anything I want to learn. What I do need the meeting for is I need to understand how is it going to make me better? How am I going to use it? Tell me the context around it. How is it going to make me better personally or professionally? And I think that's where me- meetings are invaluable today. It is us listening to the same keynote and at lunch talking about what we heard from that through our lens and what we're learning from others and having that discussion. And I know that's what you guys do well as an organization. And I know it's your focus, but I think too many people have forgotten about that. That's what we're trying to do. How do we, how do we actually spur conversation? And, and that has always been my thought process when we were, when I was chair of MPI, um, we had this cool video and it went through the history of the world. And, and it, it's one, I, I show it at all of our meetings because I think it's still so impactful. But what it did was little by little, it was showing you that, you know, it, it talks about the Continental Congress and what was the result, the birth of the United States. It talks about the International AIDS Conference. What was the result, us attacking an, uh, an epidemic that we needed to attack. It goes through the, the Magna Carta. What was the result? And it's going through all of these points in history and it goes faster and faster and faster. And then it kind of rolls back. In, it comes backwards into making the MPI logo. And, and, and the message was simple. When we meet, we change the world. And I think that's the purpose of meetings and what you just said that I know it's the mission of your company. Yeah. How are we moving people forward? Movement and movement forward is us making change. 
Yes. And that is changing conversation, changing dynamics. And to me, that's what's so exciting. That's why I'm so passionate about this industry. Yes. Uh, you know, you talked about my volunteerism. Why do I volunteer all that time? Because I care about this industry. And I think we could have the largest impact on most of the social ills in the world if we as an industry could get on the same page. Yeah. Because when we're focused on something, we, we literally can accomplish anything together because we're that broad. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's such a good reminder. And I've seen that video. And I yeah. think everybody uh, in our industry should see that video. Because when you look through all of those things, you start to realize that history was made up by people coming together at an event and connecting over a shared value, mm -hmm. and then putting that shared value into practical outcomes. And I think our, I think we have to always remember when we're putting on an event, we want the experience to be incredible. And one of my things is like experience is king. I love context Agreed. is king um, because Agreed. we're creating something that is, that is designed to be bigger than ourselves. And I don't know if exactly. you would agree, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, but I think our attendees are becoming more sophisticated. Oh. I think they want more, they want to be challenged. Like you said, uh, information that I can get on Google is fantastic. And I think gone are the days of sitting through esoteric keynote sessions <laughs> where um, it's so intellectual that people walk away and hear big words, but have no practical tools that they can, they can put into their lives or into their work lives or into their, their, any, any moment that is like, oh, I can, I can immediately implement that. And so the connection between idea and practical tools, I think is such a key for our industry to remember with the humans that we get to curate experiences for. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Joel, you, you've nailed it. And I, I think I, I love the way you said that a sophisticated, more sophisticated audience. I, I think the expectations are tenfold yeah. that I'm now vying for your time. And if I'm vying for your time, you better make it worth the journey. And and that's how I look at it, that there's an in my and in a really intense eye on what we're providing and how we're providing it. And, you know, I just spoke at the SEMA conference recently, and that is a very sophisticated group of individuals. And, and I just had dinner with a good friend of mine that is the current chair uh, of that organization. And what was interesting is I told her, I go, look, I don't get nervous speaking in front of a group. I, I've been doing this for a long time. I enjoy it. And I just make it a conversation. I said, but I felt a little of the intensity before I got up there that I know I needed to deliver because this was such a sophisticated audience. But that's to your point. Yes. I think that's where we are today. I knew I had to bring it and I had to bring my A game because of who was in the audience. And that was my own expectation I put on me. But what you just said, I now know why. Yes. Because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put it into words and you just did. The <laughs> audience is more sophisticated and their expectation is so much more that you better bring it because if not, you're going to disappoint. And, yeah. you know, thank God I didn't disappoint. It was no, good. I, I, uh, overall, it was, it was good. It was good. No, <laughs> but I am like, these guys have heard and seen everything. So you got to make sure. And, and you know what I do is I try to make them think. I, I'm leaving them with things that are thoughtful in nature and they're going to create conversation beyond. Even if you disagree with what I'm putting out, I love it because it's going to create conversation. And I do think, Joel, if there's anything as a society we got that I think the meetings world can help. We've got to get to a point to bring civil back into civil discourse. Can we start having a conversation to know that not everybody is going to have the same perspective, yet we don't have to act like we're persecuted because yeah. somebody has a different perspective? I think meetings 
can help bridge that divide because and, and I also think the world got so cold and unkind for two years because you know where we learned I just went to France for you know a week and it for people that have never traveled outside our country for people that don't travel and experience you want to learn you want to experience diversity your perspective has no no I, I think it has no option except to be diverse when you start to see the diversity around the world. Yeah. And I think that's where ignorance comes from. And I think our industry and travel as a whole can really do, that's when I go back to social impact, the ability for us to go see other cultures, learn about other cultures, to understand their perspective is what makes you much more broad and, and literally, I think, much more accepting to understand, yeah. wow, it's a mighty big world out there and my world looks very different. Yeah. Doesn't make it wrong or better. It just means it's different. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think meetings brings that in on steroids. Yeah. And that and that's the ability for us to really make some change. Yeah. I love I love how you're putting that. Um, it's like you have to have skin in the game in order to have an opinion about the game. Yeah. It's like Renee Brown. She's like, unless you're in yeah. the arena, you can bugger off because you don't have any skin in this game. But when you physically put yourself in a place or in connection with somebody else, you immediately have skin in the game to be a part of something that is not just in your own lunchbox. And I think travel does that, meeting does, meetings do that. Even you and me today on this call, like we have skin in the game right now. And I get to learn from you and we get to have a conversation about uh, bigger ideas and, and your experience becomes a little bit of my shared experience. Exactly. And that makes me yeah. better and broader. Yeah, I, I, I think the best conversations is when I walk away and I'm learning something from it. And I always say, I'm better for that conversation. Yeah. I'm a better person for having it. And, you know, we, we have Dr. Layla Rack uh, on our staff now, and we brought Layla and I've known Layla for years. She'll tell you over our, you know, 15, 20 year history together over many glasses of wine, many times we have argued the fate of the world, disagreed often, and both walked away smarter and better for mm. it. And we've always respected each other's opinions in that when we disagree about something, it makes me curious. It doesn't make me angry. It makes me curious to understand. Tell me how you have that perspective. Tell me how you got there. Yeah. Help me learn from it. And I think that's missing in the world today. But I, again, I think meetings can help bridge yes. that gap in yes. a big way. Yep, absolutely. I think meetings can help people open their minds. Mm -hmm. They can show them something. And it's almost like you have to suspend the mind in order to capture the heart and oh, then you can change the mind because you've yeah. entered in through a different door that was not expected and so mental defense goes down when an audience comes into a general session and the lights go down yeah. and then the brand anthem video starts to play mm -hmm. and it's telling a story that is going to move my heart so that my mind is open to the message. And I think if we can craft things and events and moments that seek to hit the heart in order to reach the mind, then we're really uh, being able to holistically, not for any goal, but to open the mind. That is the goal. That is to create a, a moment where there's connection and conversation. I, I, I'm just smiling the whole time because I, we have the same belief system and our, our goal is to move you emotionally yeah. 
yeah. in a meeting. And we sometimes forget about that. We remember the intellectual side, but we forget about the emotional side. And you can't become a good intellect without moving the emotion. I love when you're saying shut down the brain and open the heart. I mean, yes. I, that is just brilliant the way you phrased it. Um, I, I've shared, here's my philosophy around meetings. It's so simple that uh, one of my favorite speeches of all time was Jimmy Bovano, Jimmy V. And the, you may know of the Jimmy V Foundation on ESPN. Well, most people don't remember because it was back in 1996 when he gave a speech. He won the very first uh, award. It was the Arthur Ashe Award of Courage. And he was dying of prostate cancer. He died about uh, literally 60 days after delivering that speech. It is today one of the greatest speeches you will still today, one of the greatest speeches you will ever hear. And there's a piece of it, though, when he talks about living a good life and living a good day. And he says that there are three things you have to do every day. And, and I apply this to meetings, but he goes, there's three things you have to do every day to have a great day. And he says, you need to think a little bit. And it's like, move your thoughts. He says, you need to laugh a little bit and you need to move your emotions to tears. And he said, that could be joy or that could be sadness. But he goes, but if you have a day where you've thought, you've laughed and you've cried, he goes, that's a hell of a day. And I think about that from a meetings perspective. How do we laugh and bring some humor and say, we, we don't need to be so impressed with ourselves. Uh, we can realize we're not curing cancer here, unless you are a medical meeting curing cancer. Right? I'll <laughs> give you that caveat. <laughs> yeah, 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 there are some of those. But, you know, our meetings in our industry, we're not curing cancer here. Can we keep it in perspective? Um, I need to make sure we entertain and we bring some laughter and we lighten it because our world is is deep enough and hard enough that it's important for us to bring laughter into play. And then, you know, the last part of it is, can I move your emotions? Can I move your emotions to where, even if you're not the crier, that you almost wanted to? I got you on the edge where you wanted to go. If you were a crier, you would have gone. I really do keep that in perspective because I try to bookend that, even in our meetings that you've experienced. I try to move us emotionally to start and to end. And in between, we're going to think a lot and laugh a lot. And, and that's kind of how we try to capture it all together. And But I love the way you said it, shut down the mind and open the heart. I just... I'm going to take that. that one I'm, I'm going to use. take your three points. As well. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And by the end of today, I definitely will have hit those three points. I promise yeah. you. Awesome. <laughs> so let me take a little bit of a, a left turn because you've kind of uh, dropped some little nuggets in our conversation up until now. And, and I'm going to frame okay. it up first and then kind of have you think about it and, and give us your thoughts. But one of the key things that, uh, that I take away from our conversations and certainly what you've kind of mentioned is this social good element and that the meetings industry, the events industry has the capacity to create incredible social good. Now, unless you're at the coalface of that every single time and seeing those changes, I think that it's sometimes really hard for meeting planners or teams behind the scenes to really um, come to the point where they realize the impact of their work. And yeah. particularly over the last couple of years, as we've been talking about, we've been reduced to being more in front of the screens mm -hmm. and less having yeah. skin in the game like we're talking about. And so there's this part where you can I know several meeting planners that have left our industry to not return. And then others really asking the question, well, why 
why do this? Why am I still here? Because I think you probably agree. It takes a special kind of crazy to <laughs> work in our industry. You have to have just a little bit of taste for blood and like ready to go at 20 hours a day and still be happy for a drink afterwards. So it does take a special type of crazy, I think, to, to thrive and to like, we're all that. We When we get together, we're all like meeting the same people. Um, but for those who are tired, for those that are missing that bigger perspective. Right. Like how, tell us what this social good is and what does that mean for the meeting planner at, at home or in front of a Zoom call to know that what they choose today could yep. be affecting the lives or dynamics of culture outside their own space. Oh, that, that is such a wonderful um, thought. I, I love a little bit of crazy because we, we all have to be, seriously. Um, I, I think one of the important notes is for those that think we don't want to get back to travel, we don't want to get back to what we used to do. I, I think one of the things we've done poorly as an industry, uh, and I used to work on the DMO side for a small period of time, the CBB world. Um, the one thing most people don't realize is, Joel, when you bring in thousands of people to a community, the, the occupancy tax that is collected around just the guest rooms, 90% of the occupancy taxes in our industry goes to the general fund of those cities, which means you are providing for fire, safety, schooling for that community. You have an impact in those communities. Why are these communities hurting even worse? Because we quit coming. When you think about the major metro areas and how they have been lagging in this recovery coming out of our industry, part of it is because we're not there. And it's this big catch 22 because we need all the people there to have all the money to do all the things we need to do. But we need to do all those things to get the people there to actually get the money to do all the things we need to do. It's, it's a little bit of a catch up. It's a hamster on a wheel right now. But I don't think people understand that the impact they have in a community that they leave. And as a society, we tend to always talk about the carbon footprint we've left behind. We haven't talked about the finances we've left behind that are helping those that community in other ways. And, and, and I just think we need to have a balanced conversation around that because, you know, you know, I, I, I know, you know, this from our meetings, I am highly committed and we, we've made sure Alhai is highly committed to the human trafficking issue yes. that we have in the world today. And, I've taken that on because we know we have a platform, we have a voice and back to, we can impact social change. Let's make sure people understand it. You do, you'd be surprised probably how many people I have a conversation. They're like, really? Like I, I had no idea. And, and the one that strikes me is when I tell them at an NBA game here in Dallas during the playoffs, a 15 year old girl was taken as she was going to the bathroom and she's there at the game with her dad. Wow. She was gone for 10 days. They found her walking on a highway in Oklahoma city. Oh, wow after she's been trafficked for 10 days. She was at an NBA game, Joel. I, I mean, if there's anything to put it into highlight that it can happen anywhere yeah. at any time, that was it. And the reason I'm so passionate about it, and, and, and I say this, I've said this on stage often, and I know I probably offend some people when I say it, I go, I would like a 10th of the anger we saw when we saw a video with a turtle with plastic wrapped around its neck around a human trafficking issue where kids are being trafficked for sex around yeah. the world. Yeah. Can I get a 10th of that ink? And it doesn't mean I don't care about saving the planet. I would like to see the same intention around human conditions because when I talked about that we can make a change, in nine months, we got rid of plastic straws for the most part. If we could have that same focus 
think about the impact we could have around homelessness, the impact we could have around human trafficking, but we seem to only get irate on certain things. And I cannot understand how, how people cannot get irate about a child being trafficked for yeah. sex. That, that, that is what I, I mean by we can do this. And I do know why. I'm not being critical. My issue is that unless we're singing from the same hymn book, we're not going to be heard. And the reason we all started singing from the same hymn book is because like, look, we got to do something about the plastic and the pollution because look at what it's doing to our planet. If we could get that same focus on other issues, I think we have an ability to make that change. That's what I mean by it. I like that. If we, if we can all get on the same page, God, we are a loud voice. You know, we, we are a big industry and we can make a lot of noise if we're all singing again from the same hymn book. Yeah. So tell us what Alhai is doing to, to really tackle that issue head on and how could other people get involved in, in that? Like, what does that look like on the ground for someone like me, for someone that's listening in to this podcast today? Thank you for the question. I mean, that, that is such an easy one because people are like, okay, it's such a big issue. How do I help? Uh, first is getting educated. You know, we're, we're part of ECPAT. We've signed the code. And because of that, that's why you see at all of our meetings and all of our uh, communications, we communicate and talk about the issue. That is the code. We've signed up and committed that we will educate everybody that we possibly can. I wear right now this little button you see, and it says, end it now. And I love that when I travel, it's on me 20 not 24 seven, I don't sleep with it. But when I go, when I'm on the road, it's on me. And you know what happens? I, I'll walk onto an airplane and the flight attendant will say, what's that? I go, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Let me tell you. And, and people just randomly, what's that? Let me tell you. That's why I do it from an awareness standpoint. But if you go to ECPAT, uh, it's E-C-P-A-T. Okay. Um, they are the one, one of the leading organizations on education and awareness around human trafficking. And it tells you what you can do. Joel, the biggest thing is when you say, what can you do? When you're at an airport, will you please get off your device and start looking around? Yeah. When you're out and about, you know what we used to do? We used to watch people. We used to look. Now we're buried into our devices. And the reason I say that is we were the eyes and ears that would watch when things are off. And the things that you're told to watch, this is where you can help. You're at an airport. Um, it's the middle of February. You're flying to Chicago. And you see a man traveling with a young girl that doesn't look like she's completely aware. And by the way, she's wearing shorts and a tank top. She has no luggage. She has no coat. Who would be flying to Chicago in the middle of winter dressed like that? Those are the things that stand off. And the one thing we always tell everybody, don't ever try to intervene. Just go talk because the airline industry has done a beautiful job of educating themselves and really working towards this mission. And then there's one other thing that I, I can add, and this is where anybody can help at any time. Uh, there's something, uh, an app called Traffic Cam. And it's traffic, like you spell traffic, but with a K, and then uh, cam.com. And if you go to trafficcam.com, it's a quick app that you will download. And what it asks you is anytime you're traveling in any hotel room, it's going to ask you to take four pictures. And it lines up what pictures it wants you to take. What you are doing is helping create a national database that our agencies use that we have prosecuted and rescued kids. And, and the best way I can explain it is think about facial recognition technology, but it's based on a guest room. Because okay. unfortunately, most of the kids are marketed from a hotel room. Okay. So be, by being able to help build a database, you're actually helping the cause. And if, if you're saying it's too big an issue and you can't do anything, just you need you to that. take four pictures. Yep. Need you take four pictures. Exactly. Yeah. And you've done your part. So but to educate and be aware. Trafficcam.com. 
And it's funny when I, when I tell people about it, they get excited because they actually feel that they can make a difference and they will. And you just need to know people have been rescued and they have been prosecuted because of that. So that's probably my best advice on that. No, I think that's really inspirational. And and it's on a personal level and it's on a larger level for us in our industry, because we're all traveling every week. Um, that's something we can immediately do. And then that's something that we can think about for our future in terms of alignment around a greater cause as I well. Love yeah, yeah, I love it. And like, you Thank know, you. I, there's nothing um, that my daughter's prouder of than uh, me tackling this issue because she's a social worker and she's seen it on the other side. And um, yeah, you know, probably most shockingly is when I've worked with uh, ECPAT, they're, they're very excited that I'm so involved on this because they said they get very few male voices. Okay. that really speak to this. Now that is beyond me, uh, kind of incomprehensible that I, there's not more because to me, this is a natural, Yeah. but if I can make that kind of influence and impact, then I will. And no, that's, that, that. that's the mission. Yeah. I lo- I think that's so important. Um, and really, really needed for us to have our eyes and ears yeah. open. Yeah. And, and Joelle, I think, you know, you know, we, we, we have a podcast and it's called beyond the meeting room. And it's just to talk about things outside the meeting area. The only reason I'm mentioning it is, you know, July 30th was human trafficking awareness day. It's probably the hardest podcast I've done because I interviewed a young lady named Faith Ramos, who a beautiful young woman that had been trafficked from 14 to 17 years old okay. and was able to escape her captors and has moved on. And we didn't talk about her experience. We talked about what she's done since then, because she has started a foundation to help people that are trafficked to get back on their feet and to get going again and to get the education they need and to get the resources they need. And just a beautiful spirit that has every reason to be angry at the world and has taken that experience to say, I'm going to make the world better. And those are the things that move me because when I get to talk to somebody, it makes it so real. And you understand when it becomes that personal, it's like, we should be doing more. Yeah. And, and nobody saved her. She escaped from her captor, except I will say somebody saved her. She ran to a police department and she said she first detective she met at that point, never left her. He was there to make sure that no matter what, she was going to get where she needed to go. So, wow. you know, there are good people in this world, which is great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I will definitely yeah. go over and listen to that podcast and, oh, and it's send heartbreaking. everybody else seriously. Yeah, seriously. To that too. Yeah. And I think you've brought into like complete clarity, the power that we in this industry have in our hands yeah. to be able to create incredible social change, not just, uh, you know, just the fire departments and um, spending, spending money in, in locations that improve uh, the, the culture and the area of that social area, uh, but also to these far graver challenges that we as a society face. And it's, and it's not just sustainability for, and, and plastics, it's actually human lives at stake. And when we think about the opportunity that is within our hands yeah. to really buy in and to really commit, then that becomes like this undergirding strength I think mm-hmm. for all of us in the hard days where we're so busy and we're trying to keep our heads above water when we realize that there's such a bigger sea out there and that we have the capacity to pull other people up from drowning. I love it. And, and when you said great power, you know, I, I go back to my geeky uh, Marvel days where it's like, you know, Spider-Man being told with great power comes great responsibility. Correct. And, and we have a responsibility to make the world better. 
I yeah. really do believe that. Yeah. No, that's brilliantly said. And who doesn't like a good Spider-Man? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Which one? There's Which been one? so many. All of them. <laughs> My kids would say the last one. I know, because the last one had all of them. <laughs> exactly it had right. all three spider That's my get-out-of-jail-free card. Exactly. <laughs> now, one of the questions that I ask all of my guests uh, is, like, what is the wildest thing that's ever happened to you that's been hilarious in your event life? And so, for, for example, <laughs> I think we, when I'm training up my teams, there's always this moment where I'm like, you will hit a moment where everything will hit the fan and it will be the worst moment. And you will think that the whole event is now completely kaput as a result of this moment. When you get to that moment, you don't know how you're going to get through it. Yeah. You don't know how it's going to end. And we call it the moment of mystery because it's a mystery <laughs> as to how we're going to get through it. And my big moment of mystery, Michael, was when I was in my 20s and I was leading an event in Outback Australia. Okay. And it was a fundraising event for a nonprofit looking at, at raising money for at-risk youth. And so we did this city slicker thing where um, really high-level executives would pay a lot of money to have an Outback experience. And we would take them and do a, a, we did a 600-mile cattle drove. And we slept under the stars and they would come and join us for six days at a time. And they would have a horse and we would give them a swag in true Australian style. Awesome. And then we would actually um, bring in, fly in music artists, uh, country music artists right. from around Australia and the world to do a fireside uh, evening on a couple of those nights. And so we repeated that over several months and then we culminated in the middle of nowhere which is black old queensland for the record in case anyone's wondering where that is it is nowhere <laughs> with a big uh, gala dinner and fundraising event and halfway through the gala fundraising event we had flown in everybody from all the major cities in australia and and also internationally to this place and so it was high stakes and right in the middle the ovens broke down <laughs> and of we course had, they did. We had brought in a three Michelin star chef. Right. And so we had this moment and the team is freaking out and they're like, Joel, 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 we don't know what to do. And I said, I just need a minute. And I locked myself in the bathroom for four minutes <laughs> for a second. And I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get this done, but it's a mystery. And when I walked out, someone said to me, we're taking all of the food to the local hospital in a four wheel drive, and we're going to cook everything there and bring it back. And I said, just give me a second. I'm going to kick the ovens. And so I came in and myself and another, um, the head, the mayor of Blackhall, we kicked the ovens. And within two minutes, those babies lit back up and we did the whole night without anyone ever knowing. But that was my biggest moment of mystery where my whole like moment of like, how are we going to get through this? And no one's going to eat uh, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. And there's no cafes around here. And so I want to know what your moment of mystery looks like. My moment of mystery. That That's an interesting one because I, 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 I have a lot of crazy experiences in my life, most of them on the food and beverage side. Um, I, I, I have more experiences that you just couldn't make up. I think we should write a book okay. about our industry on the hotel side of it. But I, I will tell you that I, I, I was a young MOD. And if you're in the hotel business, you get manager on duty. And it means you get to be there from Friday to Sunday. And you are the person 24 seven, if anything breaks out. And you got to think about, you know, I, I'm 20 some odd years old. Um, I'm on duty at this hotel and um, 
we have a person in our bar that we know was definitely from the street and is now getting very loud and really disruptive in the bar. Now I, I come walking over and um, I'm smart enough at 20 to say, I don't get paid enough to take this on by myself. So I called our head of security and the head of security talked to him. The guy started yelling. He was not going to move. Um, we call the police department, the police come and they start to exit this guy and the guy is screaming completely. And again, I'm MOD, I'm in the middle of this. So I'm starting to walk out with them as we get outside and lo and behold, as soon as we get outside, the guy takes a swing at one of the police officers. He gets tackled. I'm in between the police officer and the guys, as we all go into the bushes, the cop pulls out his stun gun. I see that coming out. I roll out of the way as he zaps this guy. And the moment I'll never forget, as soon as the barbs hit and they hit the button, all you heard was Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) As the guy was screaming as he got zapped. I couldn't make this up. I'm in the bushes. I've got leaves in my hair. I've got grass (laughs) all over me. And I'm in the middle laying on the ground and all of that. I'm 20 years old. I I, no idea that this was coming at us. Um, You go back, though, and you, you know, they go back and find this guy had his belongings in a hat. He had a knife. He had things that could have been a weapon. And you realize how dangerous the situation is, even though how funny the situation ended up being at the end. I I tell people, I can't make this stuff up. (laughs) I mean, seriously, it was the craziest thing. And and that wasn't a moment of mystery. That was just one of the funniest stories (laughs) for me because I'm literally rolling around in the bushes with cops and and I'm making sure the cops don't think I'm the one swinging, you know, (laughs) more than anything as I'm through there. Oh, that's a fantastic story. <laughs> I think the level of absurdity that we often see uh, in, oh. our, in our careers is, is extremely hilarious. I love the idea of you writing a book. And <laughs> I think we all should. We should definitely do like a, a joint yeah. book of all of our experiences. Yeah. If I wrote a book, it's everybody writing in. Give me your best experience. Let's talk Great about idea. those experiences because, yeah, you know there are so many. And, and people would think we're making the stuff up. Yep. Absolutely. But we've kind of seen and done it all, you know, as as the industry has gone on. And um, I will tell you, there, there's one one other story. And it was a, a moment of freak out, basically, because um, like I, I, I'm OK talking on stage, educating and that type of thing. I, I'm bad if I'm scripting or acting. Okay. I'm not that. I, that. That's not me. You give me a script and it, it feels very forced. I'm not an actor. It's It's hard for me on that side of it. But there we had at MPI uh, WEC uh, when we were in Vegas, we had a lady named Dina who was a stand-up comedian that was our MC for about three to four years. Brilliant lady. Really, really funny. Well, what really happened, this one, and this is one of those uh, stories around a meeting planner, you know, and, and what you go through at times. Uh, we, we had Magic Johnson that was supposed to be our keynote uh, for the Wednesday that I had gotten. Uh, because of MGM hosting this thing and we had a connection with magic. We got him here Tuesday night at about 6 PM. They tell us he's not coming because when we hired him, he wasn't in this role, but in the middle of that season, he became president of the Lakers. It was the day before the draft. They made a big trade before the draft that evening, which means he was busy the next day and he wasn't going to be able to come. So long story short, you know, great lesson for the planners, you know, cause we, we ended up having this, fireside chat afterwards the next day to tell the planners what we did to pull off the lunch that next day you don't even think about the first thing we did was call all of the hotels in town to figure out 
what conventions were there and who were their keynotes to see if we could pull one of their keynotes. We came this close to Dr. Phil because oh, Dr. Cool. Phil was doing another yeah. one, but he was leaving. But what, what an, I hadn't really thought about that. Who else is in town? What can we do? Because you're talking about within 12 hours, I've got to have somebody on stage. Yeah. And we kind of went, went and reconfigured this, but we, we got it working. The, the story though is Dina goes, okay, I got an idea. Mike, just go with me. I'm like, okay. And she scares the hell out of me because I know, I don't know where she's going. So we're backstage because I'm supposed to come out and introduce and we're backstage. And, and then there's a camera behind me. So everybody in the audience is watching her talk to me. And she goes, Mike, she goes, I know we didn't have magic and I know that was the plan, but she goes, I got a better idea. This is Vegas. And I know it's playing. She goes, magic Mike. She starts to undress me backstage and I am holding on for dear life. As oh she's pulling gosh. out my shirt, she starts to unbuckle my belt and, and, and out of my mouth, Joelle, it just came out. I go, I promise there is no magic in this mic. I promise we are done. And it was all over the, I had no idea where she was going, but you talk about a sweat moment. Oh, that I, is it. I did not know where she was going to take this all, but it was brilliant. Oh, and that was, brilliant. that was my mystery story. Cause I didn't know where it was going to go. <laughs> I had no idea, but oh my God, to this day. And then she called me the next day. She needed me for something. She goes, I need you backstage. And she goes, I promise I won't undress you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll be there. I can trust you this time. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, Mike, it has actually been magic spending some time with you today. Uh, um, we so appreciate you. I love uh, the way you see the world, the way you see our industry. I love that you're constantly driving people to think bigger, go bigger, think larger, think broader, like expand, expand, expand. What could this look like in two years, five years, 10 years? And what do the results look like? And you can do it. And I, I love the fact that you think both big picture, but individually with the people that you're with in that moment as well. And I just uh, wanna thank you and honor you. And, and you're really quite a gift. Uh, in in our space and I just want to thank you for your time today I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and I hope to do that at some stage yeah um, we, we absolutely will Joel thank you yeah. for the invite and thank you for your friendship and the partnership with your organization because yeah. look you, you guys you guys do a lot to keep this conversation going and to move our industry and I couldn't thank you enough for what you do for us as well it's our pleasure Thank you so much for joining us here at the Meetings and Events podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed interviewing and chatting through our industry and what's happening in it right now with Michael Dominguez. And I really hope you took away as much as I did, particularly the idea that there are no small parts in the roles that we all play in creating a better society and creating good in the world around us. In our next episode, we have an incredible guest joining us and I can't wait to introduce you to them. So stay tuned for our next podcast coming up next month. In the meantime, if you have any great ideas, special requests, or you'd just like to reach out, please feel free to email us at podcast at unbridled.com. Until then, I'm your host, Joelle Morgan. I can't wait to see you on our next episode. And thanks so much for joining us once again. Have a great day.